Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. As you guys know, there's a whole lot of stuff happening throughout state legislatures in this country. Texas is no different. And today I am honored to be with the one and only representative, uh, John Rosenthal from District 135 in uh, the Houston area, but this covers entire Texas. Uh, representative John, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for uh, having me. Well, it's been I, too long since we've sat together. Yeah, but you know what? There's so much that has happened since this is your second term that you're that you, you've you've been reelected, which gives you a certain degree of permanence, and people know you. People know your <laughs> name. Uh, you, I, I, I think you won something special in your first year at the uh, Capitol. Is that correct? Tell us a little that, bit about that. That's right. I uh, in my first term, I was awarded the freshman of the year. I was named freshman of the year by the legislative study group, which is actually the second largest caucus in the Texas House, second only to the Republican House caucus. And uh, so that's a great honor for me to be named. Legislative study group is a nonpartisan policy analysis group. And I was given that honor because my policy and my um, projection, my focus is on the people of Texas. So I don't let politics or special interests get in the way of serving the people. Well, you know, that is one of the great things of actually having engineers in, uh, in, in legislatures, because engineers believe in engineering things, making sure things work. I, I'm, I'm kind of partial to that. You're a mechanical engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. So, I mean, I'm really partial to those kinds of things. But anyhow, but look, um, there's a whole lot of stuff happening around the country. You saw what happened in, in Georgia where they pass that bill that, I mean, even if you're in a line, a long line for 11 hours, if somebody gives you a bottle of water, you are committing a crime. Uh, in the Texas legislature, what's going on? Tell us a little bit about the bills that, that you want submitted. Tell us a little bit about the bills that you want to get the hell out of there. And tell us a little bit about what you need us as the community to do, meaning the entire Texas community to do, to make sure bad bills don't get through. So how much time do we have? <laughs> you, start, uh, you start telling me and I will go from there. Okay, so uh, we have a number of really hot topics in the legislature. So I'll start with a, with sort of a global view. And, uh, and what's going on right now is there were already major initiatives um, to address recovery from the pandemic, uh, major initiatives um, around uh, voter suppression or voter security, depending on what your uh, uh, perspective on that is, um, you know, we've we've got uh, George Floyd Act and uh, and major amendment to the Sandra Bland Act, so a lot of civil rights, uh, criminal justice reform issues, and then to pile on top of all of this, we just had a major freeze at the beginning of our uh, session. session. And uh, there's a huge push. The governor made it an emergency item to address some of the causing factors of this freeze. Uh, hopefully we will do that substantively, but those are the large, um, those are the big focus, big ticket items that I see. And there's a number of other things too. Uh, I hope I'm not leaving off something terribly important, but I came in you know, with my specific agenda too. I wanted in a lean budget year, so one of the, challenges we're facing is that um, we're not going to have as much money to spend this time as we did last time because the revenues are reduced 
as a result of the COVID pandemic, less oil and gas sales, so we get less uh, oil and gas uh, severance taxes, less in-person sales, le I mean, uh, uh, so there's less sales tax. I guess property tax probably stays the same, but you know, uh, the number of people that default on their homes and stuff reduces that probably some. So we've had, we got a shortfall in revenue and that makes life a little tougher because we just fought in my first session in the 86th legislative session, which was the last one. Uh, we fought so hard to um, increase spending in public education and we right. had a, a massive increase in, in spending for public education, like $12 billion. Uh, and so I came in with a strong focus to try to maintain that spending and even if possible try to find a way to increase spending in our public schools and it may it may be possible you know um, because of federal money coming in that is going to alleviate some of these budget concerns but but not probably not all and that is from the 1.9 trillion dollar uh, Mercury risky plan that's right okay that's right so uh so i i personally we could get into the all sorts of stuff. I mean, we could probably talk all day just about that, just about trying to make sure that federal money coming into the state with that's earmarked to benefit public schools. Before the public schools. I'm before kidding. you go into the specific of those particular bills that you and that I, you're and talking I don't about, want to, yeah. I want to um, ask something that has been my pet peeve for decade over a decade now, and that is uh, the the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act. I mean, it was denied Texans, even though for the first three years it cost zero and thereafter 10%, uh, and it also helps the economy. Have you guys decided what you're going to do about that yet? Or are, are, are Democrats going to go in there and make us think about uh, some of the reasons why it is actually hurting us, not only health-wise, but economically? Yes, and uh, there are a number of bills that Democrats have brought um, to to push, you know, uh, the executive to accept the expansion. Uh, we're also going to have an extended series of conversations on budget night to accept the Medicaid expansion, just like we did in the last session. Democrats have pushed to accept this expansion since it was available. And now we're one of something like 12, only 12 states to not have accepted exactly. it. Exactly. Most red you know, states now have it, yes because they figured out they're leaving money on the table and it's our money yes it's it's, it's we've amazing. already it's 10 billion dollars you know is it 10 billion dollars a biennium i think so yes billion dollars yes. a year and and so over the course of the last 10 years we've left 50 billion dollars on the table and unrecoverable unrecoverable that's right and, and uh and, john and i want to ask you here, we're hoping that puts pressure um, sorry, help. sorry to interrupt you, Representative. No, no, it's fine. But I want to ask you this because my contention is for a fisc for a, a for a group that claims to be fiscally responsible, why haven't we more effectively make the case made the case that we've left fifty billion dollars that could have gone to educate our kids, fifty billion dollars that could have otherwise gone to do so many other things on the table? How can you uh, elect people that do that? You know, it's a good question. I mean, that should that should be a, a fundamental talking point for us. And I think it has been. It was part of my platform to get elected and, and also my platform. Yes, and my platform to get reelected. I mean, this was a much tougher 
election. Freshmen are seen as uh, a freshman flipping a seat from from one party to the other is seen as most vulnerable in after that first term. Right. And so uh, spending in my race was in the millions of dollars. You know, I mean, it was uh, and it was a very tight race. So I'm I'm grateful to the people of the district for returning me to the house. But that was my message. And I think that's part of, you know, how Democrats not just succeed. I mean, it's it's good to succeed. And certainly there's a, an amount of political ambition around this. But the point has got to be what's good for the people, what's good for the state. And and we're really we're beyond the tipping point. Texas is simply the worst in the country when it comes to health care for our citizens. We are number 50 out of 50 on a number of metric measurements that are vital, including, you know, maternal mortality, number of uninsured, percentage of uninsured, number of uninsured children, percentage of uninsured children in this state higher than any other state in the union. And and folks who are conservatives that that maybe hold a different view, I hope that they will come around to understand that the fact that folks are uninsured raises the cost to insure all of us. It raises the cost for healthcare for everybody across the table. So accepting the money, the Medicaid expansion will help alleviate some of those costs, uh, especially the indigent care costs. You show up in an emergency room, you don't have insurance, they take care of you anyway, and the hospital pads all their other uh, charges on everybody else to cover what they're going to have have to cover in that. So when you bring that down, it lowers the cost for all of us. And when you lower the cost, you lower the insurance rate. So, I, so I what are the what's the possibility of it being uh, cleared this this time around in this session? Because if we don't get it cleared in 2021, we don't get a shot at it until 2023. That's correct. So, well, actually, that's technically it's not correct. The governor could do it anytime he wanted to. Well, that's true. Yeah, right. Uh, but this is our we only have a chance once every two years to push the governor to do that right. in, a, in an official way like this. And there are a number of conservatives who are on board with it. So last time they, they voted in unity against our amendments to expand it, to accept the expansion, to accept it in narrowly defined categories like for uh, upon um, to, to, to keep to allow women to stay on it after childbirth for a year, you know, things like that. Um, but now there's a number of conservatives who are joining us in the in the fiscal argument. So while it's just plain the right thing to do, there's a fiscal argument to be made that you're making very effectively. And well, the rural it would seem like uh, rural senators and rural uh, uh, representatives would really want it given to what's happening in those rural hospitals right now. Well, what's happening in rural hospitals is they're closing at an alarming rate. And right. so folks who live in rural Texas, their distance to, to care uh, is increasing in a lot of areas because when your rural hospital closes, instead of a 20 minute drive you had now, maybe it's a 40 minute drive or a 50 minute drive just to get to a hospital. So uh, I'm very hopeful that, that all, all of that, what's how it's been going, puts pressure on conservatives to, to join with us well, and make it happen. I like the way you operate in the um, in the house. I, I I find that you are you you follow some of the principles that many of us have been talking about, and that is working with everybody, uh, not not you know uh, finding a way to absolutely work with everybody. And I find that in a con in a in a state representative or in any politician, uh, you know, 
it proves that you care more about the people than some sort of ideology that you represent. I do, and, and thank you so much for uh, recognizing that. I think my colleagues in the House also see that. So I will say, I'd like to say that uh, in the Texas government, um, we are less adversarial across the aisle than, than, than what we see in Washington. So we do consider ourselves colleagues, but just the same. There are, there are plenty of um, people who, who are more left of center that don't wanna work with the people who are more right of center. And the tr to me, the truth of the matter is there are some wedge issues you know, out at the edges. There are some wedge issues that divide us that probably we'll never agree on. But the vast majority of, of stuff that goes through the house gets, gets large bipartisan support. And um, something like 86% of the bills in the last session had more than 100 votes out of 150 in the House. You know, there's there's uh, there's only 80 something Republicans, so you've you're you've got good support with more than 100 votes. That's enough to get a constitutional amendment, stuff like that. And uh, and so I like to think we have more in common than what separates us. Well, I, again, if we elect more people like you, John, we'll be in we'll be in great shape. Now, tell me a little bit about. Um, Give me a walk down on the bills that I, that you want to see in effect and give me a walk down of the bills that you want to see canned. I'm going to start with the voter suppression laws. So we've got House Bill uh, 6 and Senate Bill 7, I believe they are, mm -hmm. and they are moving through committees right now. These, we, we need everyone to show up uh, in support of these. So I believe that you can register remotely to say you are for or against a bill. We call that dropping a card. So you can register remotely by going to house.texas.gov. And I think on the uh, committees tab, you can find, uh, for us, it'll be um, the elections committee, of course, and you can drop a card. So, so we want to, we don't want SB7, right? SB7 has already passed out a committee and it's going to go to the Senate House floor. We don't want SB7 and we don't want HB6. They're, they're basically the same bill. Right. The SB is the Senate bill and the HB is the, is House, the House bill. bill. Yeah. They have companions so they can work together. Uh, and they do that to try to get, um, to get across the finish line earlier in the session. Uh, and Republicans have the votes to advance both of these. Um, it's pretty egregious. If you follow my uh, Twitter and Facebook feeds, <laughs> I comment about this quite a bit, but we want folks to um, register against these bills. So do what we call drop a card, register against the bill. Just make sure your voice is heard in some way. If you can come to Austin to testify against, that is also encouraged. The more voices they hear, the better. And when we pack a committee hearing and they, they will have limited registration on the day of probably. You just go to the Capitol, they got kiosks, you sign up to testify. When we sit in these committees and a bill comes up and we see, oh my goodness, there's 300 people here to testify on, for, or against, you know, it, it really has an effect on legislators. I think it can, it has, the process is designed for you, the public, for people in the public to interface, to engage with their elected representatives. Now, and what's a major, the major uh, hurdle uh, or the major bad thing in that H HB6 SD, S, uh, SB7? Uh, there's, there's a bunch and I, I don't know them all, but it, 
it limits. Just give me the houses. two major ones. It makes it harder for handicapped people to vote. You have oh. to you have to prove that that you require an accommodation, so you need a doctor's note. It uh, it will limit early voting. It will require that every voting location has the same number of machines. So whether you're in a church in rural Texas or you're at NRG Stadium to serve downtown Houston, you have to have exactly the same number of machines. Makes and no sense, right? It makes no it sense. It hurts urban areas. It hurts urban areas, the worst, you know? And there's other stuff, I mean, it- We don't have the water bill in there though, nor do we have the, uh, you can't feed anybody in the line bill in there, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. We're not quite as egregious as Georgia, but you know. It's but I heard that they, they were actually going against something that I practice here, which is a going against the voter registra voter registrars. Yeah, so I think they want to uh, limit or remove the deputy voter registrars. Right. Um, they they want to uh, severely curtail a government entity's. Um, ability to inform the public how to request a mail-in ballot. So our elections administrator, our county clerk, couldn't even put out informational materials about that. I mean, it really, it's, it's egregious. Yeah, in, we, 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 need to, we need to give that more, more coverage. I'm glad that you put that all on your Twitter feed all of the time. So um, we'll, we'll keep abreast of that other bill that uh, we don't want. Oh, that's the that's the big one for me. There are other ones moving through, but my ability to focus on um, how many of these, you know, there's so uh, many. There's so many. There's an anti-transgender bill that won't allow transgender athletes. Oh, we have one also. I didn't I didn't quite know that one. I didn't see that in your list. Okay. Yeah, it's not it's not on. I mean, it's something I actively fight against. I mean, I'm an ally, of course, the LGBTQIA right. uh, community, and I'm bringing legislation um, that's an for anti-discrimination legislation. I have a gender marker bill for trans folks to be able to change the gender marker on their driver's license, stuff like that. Um, but that's also egregious. And I view it as a, a distraction on some of these other fronts. They're gonna water down, they're gonna want to water down the George Floyd Act, which is being heard right now. Uh, 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 Sanfronia Thompson brought House Bill 88. And, um, and that's the George Floyd Act. Uh, there's also a continuation of Sandra Bland, Sandra Bland Act, and I, I think it's Garnet Coleman's bill, but I'm not sure. I've signed on to a bunch of these and there's a bunch of criminal justice reform stuff uh, that I support. Uh, and then public education, I've got some personal pet things I wanna talk about so really, let's, really let's, quick. Give me, give it to me. Uh, one is uh, House Bill 699, we're calling it Riley's Rule. We had a young man who had been fighting a chronic illness coming to the office, he, had, he was like 15 when he booked an appointment to see me in my district office. And um, he had been held back a year in school because having too many absences. In our school district, we have a 90-20 rule, a 90-10 rule. If you don't attend 90% of the class meetings, you cannot pass the class, even if you do all the work. And so between the doctor appointments, specialty you know, appointments, therapy, things like that, he had missed more than 10% of the school meetings and was held back a year in school, even though he had completed the academic requirements. So um, this bill makes a state law that 
absences associated with chronic or terminal illness cannot be used to excellent keep and uh, that passed unanimously through the uh, house education committee uh, the young man riley came and testified i had members of the committee coming up to me afterwards and saying you need to bring that young man to all your bill layouts <laughs> he goes playing a bill you win it every time <laughs> people get all your stuff passed he was so powerful it was it was great and then uh, i also have one that's um house bill 626 and this expands an adult career education program so this is the most successful adult career education program in the country. It's called Texas Innovative ACE, ACE for Adult Career Education Program. And it is geared toward um, helping people train up for, for, uh, uh, for careers that are in demand, better paying jobs. And so this, my legislation doubles the grant for the program. Uh, so I've got a budget request to double their money and then expand the program so that they can also serve nonprofits that help veterans with career education. So double the size of the program and allow it to, to serve veterans. And I, it's, it, it's near and dear to me because it helps an adult career education program, helps people, you know, where they are to qualify for better jobs. And it's an original idea. It wasn't brought up to, for, to me by someone else. It's but you know what is also great about that, uh, Representative? The great thing about that is that this is where we are in the American economy where that is a necessity in this new economy. Because look at what has happened with the freeze or with the pandemic. There are a lot of, there are a lot of jobs that are no longer gonna be there because now people are gonna be working from home. They're gonna realize new efficiencies and people are gonna have to retrain themselves for other things. Absolutely right. And then this also feeds into our, we have an affordable housing crisis. If you're making minimum wage, you just cannot afford can't a place do it. to stay. I mean, we could, <laughs> I can talk all day about those numbers. I've studied that a lot. So we're trying to redefine what, a, what affordable housing is to move right. that needle for the developments that get the government subsidy. They get a break on their taxes if they agree to use a portion of their uh, development for affordable housing. And I want that, you know, we've got initiatives in that area. Of course, if people would, were, if we would just raise the minimum wage, you know, a that moves that the needle on affordable housing right there. You know, part of the problem is we got people working for right. property wages. What are the pet peeve? Oh, uh, pet peeve for me? No, I mean, is there another bill that you have, or okay? Or so I have a yeah. I have a slate of seven bills. Uh, I am, so you mentioned me being a mechanical engineer, I am the only mechanical engineer in the entire Texas state legislature. I'm the only oil and gas technical professional. I've worked in that industry for more than 25 years. And while I've done uh, upstream exploration development, subsea production systems is what I've worked on. Uh, I'm a systems guy. I'm a math person, like literally build mathematical models. Well, hell, your dad was a math uh, PhD at the University yeah, of right. Austin. My, <laughs> that's right. That's right. My daddy was uh, was an endowed position. That, at the university, at our university, both of us went to the university. university of Texas at Austin. Yes. Um, so I, grew, I, I fortunately or unfortunately, whether it's a blessing or a curse, I grew up in a house with a math professor. <laughs> But the, what I'm getting at here is I'm actually an expert on, in, a, in an engineering field called flow assurance. And this is 
the science of moving oil and gas product through pipes when they get hot or cold. I, I know what happened during this freeze and a portion of that has to do with the availability of product that we use for thermal generation. So I brought seven bills, we're calling it Step Up. Uh, I don't remember the bill numbers, but it's, um, it's the uh, Securing Texas Energy uh, Power Utility um, Commission or something like that. In other words, your bills are gonna make sure that what happened in the big freeze does not happen again. So I'm taking a very pragmatic approach to this and I'm not listening to partisans and I'm not listening to industry finger pointers because what they did was they pointed fingers at each other. Right. Electrical generation folks said, if we had had the natural gas, if we had had the natural gas, we would never shut down. And the natural gas people said, if you hadn't turned off electricity, we, we could have, have run our gas. compressors and fed you the gas and we need compressors to run gas through pipes. And I'm saying, just like when you have kids who are fighting with each other, I don't care which one of you started it. The problem is you depend on each other. And if either one goes down, our whole grid goes down and I do not want to freeze my butt off in my house again. So so I've brought these bills. Uh, there's a number of high priority bills that are being run by leadership folks that are, that are high up in seniority in the house. And so by bringing my legislation, it doesn't mean that my particular bills will pass, but I'll be working with the authors of some of these other bills to put, to kind of get stuff in there to make sure it's not just window dressing, to make sure it's not just lip service or, or, or to be able to say we did something without actually causing the uh, change. If we don't change right. something, that will happen again. And that's just all there is to it, right? We got to change something. Let me tell you something. Like I said, engineers get things done. And uh, you've been getting a hell of a lot done. And we got to close here. But before we close, I always ask, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? <sighs> so the question I used to hate that now I love to answer is, why did you get into politics? Why leave engineering? Why leave a good paying job? To, to basically volunteer as a legislator. You know, we make $7,200 per yeah, year in yeah. this job. Uh, and the reason to do that is, is to, it's, it's such an honor, it's such a privilege to be able to do things to help people in their daily lives. And your state government has the opportunity to make it worse or make it better. And I have gone to bring the voice of reason and, and work for the people Texas, as long as I can afford to, you know, I lived in Illinois for a while and farmers used to say, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to buy a farm and work it till the money runs out. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna, You're going to work. I'm going to do this until uh, either I go broke or, or find a way to pay the bills. I love you, brother. Listen, Texas House Representative John Rosenthal of District 135, friend of mine, a hell of a politician, but you know, first, someone who cares about his district, somebody who cares about his state, somebody who cares about his country. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, John. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.